Hello and welcome to the Highway to Hoover podcast. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at Pitch Logic. It's the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play, from youth leagues to the big leagues. Easy to use and affordable technology. It makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features that are used at the highest level of our sport. See pitchlogic.com for more information. Thanks again to our good friends at Pitch Logic. Very excited about this partnership. Uh, point of parliamentary procedure. Name that movie. I am not your host, Joe Healy. I am the great <laughs> Michael Patrick Rooney uh, subbing in. I'm pinch hitting for uh, an injured Joe Healy. He's he's been working hard, F, and uh, yeah, and 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 he's he's banged up. Now, of course, you guys know the other voice here. This is the great Marcus Aurelius, Mark Etheridge. F, how are we doing tonight? <laughs> doing great. Doing great. Runes uh, are Michael Patrick. Um, it's 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 great to. Great to talk to you tonight and, you know, filling in for, for Joe, who's on vocal rest because he's been chasing Taylor Swift around the country and as you know, she's everywhere. So that that's a tall task. So it's good to see that, see that we have somebody to fill in for the, for, for his capable hands. That's right. I I spent my college career as a utility (laughs) player and, uh, you know, secretly hoping for injuries and people to get in trouble with coach Murphy so I could get in there. And now, you know, Joe, I need Joe Healy to have a, twi- a Taylor Swift injury, or mm-hmm. maybe it was a pickleball injury or, could be. you know, who knows, who knows? It, it's undocumented when you've got a star of Joe. He's life. a Renaissance man. Absolutely. <laughs> he is. He is. So, so Marcus, we have, we have a very fun topic tonight. Absolutely. Uh, let, let's do it. Let's get into it. What's our fired topic? up? Yes. What do we want to talk about here? What do you got? So, us? so I don't know. It's probably a couple probably a couple months ago, right after the season ended, you and I had this conversation about expanding the NCAA field and yes. going from a 64 team field to a 72 team field and adding eight extra teams. And we, you know, we went through and looked at what that bracket would look like if you added eight teams to the field. Um, and the, the repercussions across the country, you know, you, mm-hmm. every league would have an opportunity to get more fields in, I mean, more teams in the field and, you know, mid majors, power teams, everyone could potentially benefit from this. And you had this, you know, this idea or this, uh, I guess, I, um, perception, concept, I yeah, concept perception that, that this could be a good thing for the game. Mm-hmm. And, and and I wanted to explore that a little further, and now's a great opportunity. Since you're you know you're you're the utility man, pinch hitting for Joe. Let's talk about that tonight. And yeah, and, love this so, topic. You could wake me up at four in the morning, and I want to talk about this. <laughs> so, so Marcus, the article for is I've even got the date. It was July nineteenth, twenty twenty three. It's on d1baseball.com, and we called it Field of Seventy Two with Thirty Two Hosts, and mm-hmm. that was the idea. And these are not my ideas. I just kind of copied them and wrote about them. But it was basically like, hey, what's this look like if we add eight teams to the field? Because my personal opinion is every year we're leaving really good teams on the cutting Mm -hmm. room floor. And then the other thing is 32 hosts. I just think nothing gets a school and an athletic department more excited about college baseball than hosting the postseason, which is our best product. And 16 sites is just not enough for me because, you know, like they're just kind of clustered with very few exceptions. So you are like, you know, the postseason expert of all experts in college baseball. So before I went public with the idea, I pinged you and said, Marcus, 
am I going to get run out of the sport if I write this article? And you were very, <laughs> you gave me great feedback, positive and negative. You actually even helped me create the graphic that became the field of 72. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Marcus, take me wherever you want on this. Like I, this is one of my yeah. all time favorite topics. So uh, I guess the first thing I, I noticed is that the four seeds, the today's four seeds were all kind of concentrated towards the top one seeds in the, in the bracket one through eight, the national seed, so to speak, one through eight, mm -hmm. the, the teams that would host throughout. And that, you know, I didn't really have a problem with that. I, I felt like that was probably, you know, probably equitable, right? If you're looking right. at it from a big picture standpoint, the part that really struck me is that the four seeds, the, the new four seeds from this that had to play, had to do play in games, were going right. to those nine through 16 and they were often power power conference schools who were ju who just missed the tournament in the traditional mm -hmm. format and those were really good teams i mean yeah. like you you had like an arizona state kansas state matchup that would advance to alabama you had a notre dame irvine that would advance to auburn i mean those kinds of that those would be really fun you know, quote, if they're on Thursday play in kind of single yeah. elimination deals to get to the fourth seed. I mean, that makes it a really interesting one versus four matchup for those next tier one seeds. Yeah. yeah. Um that that would be very exciting. Although, you know, you don't you don't have to worry about facing the ace because you're you know, they have to throw their ace to even advance. So you're facing a two seed. But it's, yeah. it's certainly from a from a Offensive standpoint, it would be a really exciting type of matchup where a lot of times you're one versus four throughout, you know, unless you get an Auburn versus Penn or, or somewhere, some something like that, are, are, are actually not that exciting. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like, I have a couple of thoughts on this. Like, mm -hmm. one of when I, you know, like when I did this, you, you, there are things that you, and I wrote this in the article. The way I framed the article is I just said, hey, I took the 2023 field. And I just expanded it to 72 teams mm -hmm. and I used the 32 host model and you helped me construct that. And, and, and the, the point of the exercise was, and literally this is what I wrote in the article, Hey, here's what it would look like. What mm -hmm. do I like about it? And what don't I like about it? So yeah. let's, let's cover one, a couple of the objections. Yeah. One is that like, Hey, am I being unfair to the four seats? So you mentioned the playing games, like for the yeah. sport, the good of the sport. I think the playing games on Thursday nights would be really fun. Like it's an extra night of squeeze play selfishly. It's sink or swim. I mean, you got to win to play in. So for instance, Florida A&M and Tulane, who were yeah. two of the air quotes worst four seeds, right. they would they would do a playing game in Gainesville. Winner stays and plays the Gators in a three-game series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Loser goes home. And so the question, the first objection is, hey, am I being unfair to Florida A&M and Tulane? here's what I would say, like four seeds of that ilk, they go 0 and 2 nearly every single time. Yeah. And so now they have a chance to actually win a game in the NCAA tournament. So I think, and plus they have everybody's undivided attention on Thursday night. So, but again, that's never going to be an SEC team. So our audience doesn't necessarily care about that. You mentioned the other thing, you know, again, these playing games don't just go, the playing games go to the top four seeds so in this case, it was Wake Forest, it was Florida, it was Clemson and Arkansas. 
they also go to teams 13, 14, 15, and 16 in the seeds. So let's talk. You mentioned Alabama would host a playing game with Arizona State and Kansas State. South Carolina would have hosted a playing game with Wofford and USC, meaning Southern California. And so you're right. Like, that looks a little That's gnarly, tough. right? <laughs> yeah. Now, however, you also mentioned it. Like, I don't feel that bad about it because for, for South Carolina and Alabama, I think there's a couple things. Like, for instance, let's say Arizona State beat Kansas State, right? Well, you're not facing Arizona State's ace, right? Ace. You're right. playing them a three-game series at your place with a bonkers crowd, and Arizona State's going two, three, and four on their staff, and you're going – um, and probably using some of their bullpen, and you got a fresh pitching staff. The other thing I like for, for Alabama and South Carolina, Marcus, is that it's easy to forget how close those two teams were to not hosting at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it was this close, and those are my two fingers, like a centimeter apart. And in this format, they're clearly a host because we got 32 of them, and they might even get to host two weekends. And I think about where South Carolina and Alabama were as programs, and hosting was so important for the oxygen of that program. So even though they are facing teams that are a little bit more marquee, they are teams that didn't even make this year's field, and they are going to be pitching you know, at a pitching disadvantage, and it's a chance to lock in the hosting opportunity for those schools. Yeah. How does that feel? Yeah, I mean, that, that that is a good point. And to be able to, one, you you avoid the ace because we've all seen that sometimes there's a four seed with a, with a legitimate ace that can scare yeah. the heck out of you, right? And Ask and, Auburn. You mentioned right, it, right? Like right, Penn's right. Ace. So, so, so that kind of avoids that, you know, a four seed would have to have two of those guys. Right. And right. most of the time, if you're a four seed, you're going to be so good. You're not going to have, you know, no. if, if you have two of those guys, you're going to be a three or higher. Right. So, so yep. that part I, I can, I can get behind. I think the other part of this is to be able to ha- have additional hosts, you know, you mentioned 32 hosts, you know, teams that would host this year, you know, in this field, Maryland would have hosted Boston college, I mean, looking down the list, uh, A&M would have hosted Oregon State, uh, mm-hmm. West Virginia, Southern Miss, Iowa, uh, DBU, Oregon, East Carolina, Duke, Campbell. Campbell would be an interesting host because, you know, they've never hosted anything. And mm-hmm. to be able to play at home, that would be a big thing for, for that campus. But you'd also get the opportunity for teams that, you know, maybe they host some years but not others. Uh, that would it would be a you know a great scene on that campus to build momentum and build excitement about that program, mm-hmm. and that that they don't get you know that 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 they rarely get we'll call it um in in the traditional format. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you this too, Marcus. Like, I don't. This may sound a little pejorative, but like, hey, if you're the SEC and you're the big dog in college baseball, and you are right, like anyone yep. that doesn't believe that is lying to themselves you do have to hustle the rest of the sport a little bit, right? Like if I'm um, some pool, you know, pool hall shark, it doesn't do me any good to just obliterate everybody and nobody puts any cash on the pool table. Like mm-hmm. I need people, if you're the SEC, you like, you need the rest of the nation excited about college baseball because you're always going to be awesome. But your awesomeness is diminished if people start to quit on our sport. And so this is a way, when I looked at 32 hosts, 
Marcus, it's like you're adding like one of the objections to 32 hosts, ironically, is, oh, it's only going to help the SEC and the ACC. And when I when I backtrack 32 hosts, I'm seeing like seven different conferences that we're adding hosts to. So we are spreading the love. Now, you mentioned it, though, like Tennessee and A&M. I mean, Marcus, these are programs that are going to have hundred million dollar college baseball stadiums that would make the Tampa Bay Rays blush. We need them hosting. Right. Like. Like they wouldn't have, they didn't Incredible host this year. Incredible environment. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so let me give you two of the objections and, and let's mm-hmm. talk about these. So one of the objections um, we covered about the four seeds, another objection that I hear on this is that, hey, like for the big time powerhouses like the SEC, um, like if you draw one of these four seeds, it's going to be boring and no one will come out for that. Um, I, I, I think that's, first, my first thought on that is pray for the problem. But my second thought on that is that's you don't you, you're not understanding how SEC fans work. If you yeah. think that like like I'll give you an example. Vandy would have hosted Ball State. Um, another good one is Arkansas would have hosted the winner of Nickel State and Eastern Illinois. LSU would have hosted Army. I still think that is going to be those stands are going to be packed all weekend. Yeah. W- w- what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, those schools are going to draw regardless. It's it's a it's a game with stakes. They're going to show up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that's, for me, that, that's the important part. And keep in mind that oh, that's just the top eight seeds. Right. There's only eight of those, okay? Everyone else, nine through 16, are playing teams that, quote, can beat them, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, those are power programs with, with legitimate options to, to knock them off. And, and maybe some of, some of the top eight might, might draw, depending on the year, could draw someone who could legitimately knock them off. So I do think there's some merit to that. And I also think that those fan bases are going to be jazzed to play a postseason game and to host a postseason format. And even, you know, it's all part of the journey, right? Because we all get so focused on the postseason and we all think about, okay, well, it's all about, you know, the road to Omaha, but think about the journey to get there in those big games throughout the year. I mean, even the conference matchups to allow you to get that host. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're one of those bubble bubbleish hosts, one of those top, you know, 16, top 32, whatever, however we're, we're going to go with this. And you're, you're playing that. Maybe you aren't having the top eight type of year, but you are having a pretty good year. And to be in that, those last three, four weeks of the season, and you're able to to have that game, those series that really matter down the stretch that are going to propel you into potentially hosting, even in a year that in today's format you wouldn't, but you could in the new format. I think that's more meaningful. You know, it's kind yeah. of like the the whole concept with football that we have. You know, we're going to the six, to the twelve team playoff, and teams being able to host playoff games, and those playoff games are going to be super meaningful on campus that you get to host those. And I think you could have the, those same kind of moments where you get to host a, you know, a three game series on campus where for a lot of teams, you know, that they either host infrequently or, or maybe they're not having the year that, mm-hmm. that they, that they would like to have, but they can still have something to play for and even have a home game out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think there's some merit to that. I think that the the only thing the only thing I would you know concern myself with is 
how how many is too many into yeah. the field to play for a championship? Yeah, I think about? 70 72 to me is the it's like I would not be yeah, I would not be comfortable with more than 72. Yeah. Kendall was saying to us today that there was a proposal out there for 78 and you know in basketball somebody mm-hmm. floated the number of 96 cuz it's 25% of the field. Yeah. 72 to me is perfect because it gives us the Thursday night games which I think would be really fun. We're still really keeping the core of that 64 team format that fits. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you were speaking to Marcus, here, here's the other thing, too. Um, don't let me forget to talk about Kentucky here in a second. No. But when I look what, what really motivated me this offseason was I looked at the I looked at teams, you know, and you helped me formulate this like, hey, who are teams 65 to 72? And mm-hmm. here are the teams. Irvine. They've been to Omaha twice this century. Yeah. Like this is a real program. Uh, K- Kansas State had multiple guys on Team USA this summer. Wofford, like one of the great mid-major programs that has just, they keep getting snubbed over and over again. By the way, that keeps happening to UC Irvine. Kent State, another famous mid-major program in our sport. University of Southern California. I mean, like 12 national titles. I know they've been down. I thought they should have been in this year. Yeah. Arizona State is another name brand in our sport. UC Santa Barbara, you know, they've got a Cy Young winner and Shane Bieber, and they went to Oman 2016. And then Notre Dame, like went to, you know, like talk about Notre Dame's got a relationship with the SEC in baseball, right? Like they played in back-to-back SEC super regionals the last couple of years. So I don't, I look at those eight teams, Marcus, and I don't see any fluff there. I feel like that's eight legit teams to the point where you look at the draws for Alabama and South Carolina and you're like, dang, like (laughs) people show up for that. Yeah. Right. It's no doubt. And I, and I do think that that Thursday night could be a, could be a kind of a cool deal because you'd have a winner take all you'd have all of the excitement all across the country and everyone's focused on these, these, you know, potential games. And it's, it's not a deal where you have any room for error. You can't drop a game. You can't, you can't leave a pitcher in there too long. You, You have to be, you know, you have to be so careful with, with how you approach that type of game because there is no tomorrow. No doubt. And with the, while you're doing that, you have to think, well, if I win, I still have to play a really good team the, the next the next three days, potentially, if I want to advance. So all of no those question. things are, are, are important and, and I think would just add to the excitement of it. So that part I'm totally on board with if, if we could get that because – I mean, that Thursday night, that that, that has that yeah. has a lot of potential. Yeah. And the other thing, like, I don't want to like I, I, I it's so funny when we put this uh, on Twitter, on X, people went crazy, which was mm-hmm. awesome. I was you know, I felt blessed to have that reaction. Now, I will say a lot of people just read the tweet mm-hmm. and went nuts. And, and the reaction was very negative, it, which which is better than no reaction. But what I implored people on Twitter was just like, hey love the feedback but please read the article like don't Mm -hmm. read the tweet read the you know like look at the field but i would say marcus like you know i think about auburn right auburn loses to penn and in this format in theory auburn now is zero and one and they're going to pay play penn the next game and there's like all this drama whereas the way it worked this year in our current format which i do love by the way we would be upgrading off of something that is truly awesome and working great i don't want to portray the current format as bad but what happens is auburn then goes to the losers bracket and then they play saturday morning and you kind of vanish right like 
the, the people are kind of sort of watching the loser's bracket. In this format, hey, Auburn and Penn are in a three-game series, and you lose game one, and it's like you got some serious drama. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. The other thing I want to bring up is Kentucky, Marcus, because it was you, you made a really good point a moment ago about how exciting it is for teams to host. Kentucky, mm-hmm. they built this $50 million stadium. Yeah. People have picked at them saying, oh, wow, what a, you know, a program that's never been to Omaha is putting $50 million into a baseball stadium. I personally think it's awesome. Um, but anyway, you know, like that is a fact. And so Kentucky hosted in 2017. They hadn't hosted since. This year they host, and it was kind of like I wasn't – it wasn't on my radar, to be honest. Like I thought, mm-hmm. that will be nice. And then when you hear that because of all the stuff going on in town, people are staying in the dorms and people are dinging them about that. And I, I felt like that regional had lost a little luster until they started playing the games, and the atmospheres were amazing. The people of Lexington deserve – that fan base deserves a ton of credit. Well, in this format – Kentucky would host Wright State in a best of three, by the way, which would be very, very difficult. And if they won that, then they would have hosted Indiana in another three-game series the following weekend. So think about the momentum that Kentucky generated this year and now double it, where it's two weekends and you give your fan base a week to bring more friends to the park, and it was already awesome. So, again, Kentucky's experience this year is another reason why – by the way, if you're only hosting one team per weekend, maybe they don't have to stay in the dorms. You know, mm-hmm. like that's another, yeah. you're not having to, to hotel right. three teams. You'd only have to hotel one team. So, so that, so you, you kind of spurred a thought here. So yes. with, you know, the 14 format today, you have multiple games each day. If you drop that and there are only two teams there for a weekend, mm-hmm. uh, all of those games are going to be played in front of the home crowd. Okay. No doubt. Cause oftentimes we have a two, three game and there's friends and family there and not maybe a few locals, but not many. And it's not a championship atmosphere. We'll call it. Right. Um, and, and I do think that's better for the, you know, just the student athlete experience. Well, let's play in front of as good a crowd and good of atmosphere as we can get. Okay. Yeah. So the other part of this is it's, early June or late May, most most summer, early June, and there's rain and you get games that are delayed into the middle of the night. I mean, like the Tuscaloosa regional, for example, Mm -hmm. Uh, those games ended, you know, midnight and, you know, 11, 11 PM, one o'clock in the morning and all those kinds of things. If you're only having to play one game, you're avoiding a lot of that or potentially avoiding a lot of that. So you're not having that diminished atmosphere where i mean most people can't stay up that late especially if they have work or kids or all those kinds right. of factors um it, it, it does draw it back into a you know a normal time period where more fans can enjoy it more more casuals can come out and become experience something like that and become more than casual and, and become the kinds of diehards that this sport is is often courting so those are the kinds of things that, that really would appeal to me with this kind of format. Yeah, there's no neutral site games anymore. Like I'm thinking about right. the Gainesville Regional when you were saying that, Marcus, where mm-hmm. I believe Texas Tech and UConn played yeah. at in Gainesville, Gainesville. Yeah. in front of, I don't know, 100 people. Well, now in this format, Texas Tech would still be playing UConn 
but in a best of three series in stores, Connecticut, in their brand new ballpark with, I mean, 4,000 baseball starved Connecticut yes. or whatever they're called up there. <laughs> and it would have been amazing, you know, and yeah. then you're right. The, the other thing too, about our current regional format is it's pitching stressful. And then yeah. you add some rain in there and it really gets dicey. Now, yeah. instead of having to plan for potentially five games in one weekend, the max you're playing is three, unless you're one of those four seeds where you have to win the playing game. But then the max is four, which is still better. And it's kind of like pray for the problem. You're praying for four games. Yeah. Yeah. And and that certainly is a problem. Um, you, you know, an ace pitches on Friday and comes back. And maybe he throws a hundred pitches on Friday and comes back mm-hmm. and throws again on, on Monday. Nobody will really wants that. It's just sort of, we, we just kind of tolerate it. Yeah. And, and this would be a way for me, for most of the programs to avoid that. You could potentially have a, you know, your play in game on Thursday, maybe somebody comes back, you know, later yeah. in the weekend, but it certainly diminishes it because it's not a dumb not a double elimination format. So, so that part I like, I, I think part of the, you know, part of the concern is, is that, you know, it does add another week to the calendar. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how do you manage that? Do you push everybody? Do you eliminate a week in the season? Do you push everything out a week? Um, that, that to me yeah. is the biggest holdup to make this a, you know, a realistic option. Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. Like, because you're right. That's a real objection. Like, it adds a week to the season. Here's what I would do personally. Right now, the draft is so late. It's Mm -hmm. All-Star weekend. We have a gap now. Whereas before our beef was, we've got the draft happening in the middle of our postseason. Now our beef in college baseball is, holy heck, like, we got to wait so long for the draft to happen. So what I would do is I wouldn't change anything about the college mm-hmm. baseball season except for going a week later in the postseason. So just so, add you know, an like, extra Yeah, week. just add a week at the end. So one of the things that could happen is we could be playing our national championship game on July 4th. I actually don't think that's a bad thing. Like, that might be kind of amazing. But I would just – I wouldn't touch opening day. I wouldn't touch conference tournaments, anything like that. Mm-hmm. I would just – the, the postseason would extend, you know, like regional weekend would now be called the first round, and that would be the same weekend. Second round weekend would be the old super regional weekend. And so Omaha would just start a week, and then we'd have a super regional the third weekend. Omaha would just start a week later. I think that's the way to do it. Um, it's so funny, though. I actually look at the week, extra week, as an advantage. Because I, I think I think about my time as a player, not that I was a player of any, you know, like uh, notoriety, but my Notre Dame team, we played in the Coral Gables regional our senior year. That's some, one of the most joyous times that that we had to play five games in that regional. We were one win from Omaha. I'll never forget that the rest of my life. My dad was there. Like if you told me that could have been 10 days instead of five days. I mean, sign me up for that, right? Like the Kentucky example, you know, think about Penn. Penn last year went 2-0. And by the time people associated with Penn knew that they were having this moment, you know, like this once in a lifetime experience, it was over. Whereas now it's like Penn gets to go home and, and like be the bells of the ball and then go off to their next weekend. So I don't know, like, I think I, I, I recognize that that's a real deal like an extra week in the calendar is not free 
but I, but it's just like, there's so many positive. It's more money for college baseball. It's more money for the SEC or, or the NCAA. It's more money for all the schools. It's more mm-hmm. home games. It's a better, better television package. I think the extra week is, it, it is, it is something that has to be discussed, but I don't think it's a deal breaker. So what would be the, the biggest objections to that? I mean, I've heard things over the years, like you're having to, to house players for additional, you know, weeks, potentially I've heard things about, um, you know, ESPN having to come up with, with more broadcasters, more crew, yeah. you know, for, for the additional weeks. Uh, what, what are some of the, uh, some of the obstacles that, that are available yeah. here? I think the, I think the biggest obstacle, there's two parts. I think one of the biggest obstacles is just change, right? Like mm-hmm. we just don't do change well in college sports. It's just, you know, everybody starts to break out in hives, myself included. So it feels uncomfortable. So I think, Hey, for Omaha, you're, you're going a little mm-hmm. further into the summer. They'd be making a, a uh, you know, a compromise. I think, um, you know, I, so I, I think there there's, it's just different, right? Mm-hmm. I, but I think you, the more you talk to coaches, like what's not to like about a higher percentage chance of getting in our tournament, a higher percentage chance of hosting without sacrificing the, you know, the quality and the integrity of the tournament. I, I will tell you, Marcus, like ESPN would, ESPN would own a cooler, better, you know, higher volume property because they own it right now. Right. Yeah. But it would be more expensive for them to put it on because instead of them having to televise 16 sites the first weekend, they'd have yeah. to televise 32. Doubling it. Yeah. yeah. But I would argue this. I would argue that, hey, if the property is improved, isn't that worth it? The other thing I'd argue for ESPN is, hey, like everything that's on TV right now, it's never been easier to televise something. And for ESPN, I think that company is so smart and so skilled. It would not be hard for them to farm that out just for the first weekend. And again, like we said, it's only three game series. You're not having to televise a seven game regional. Um, I think that's very doable. But again, like the city of Omaha would be making a concession because it would be a change. I think ESPN would be making a concession because it's going to be a little bit more costly for them. But in in essence, what I'm asking ESPN to do is invest in this product that is booming that you own. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. hey, you've got this awesome house in this neighborhood where values are going. Well, let's let's pump up the jam a little bit. Right. Like, let's 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 throw a little gas on the fire. (laughs) Well, that's all. That's all interesting. I, I think the other part of this to consider is, you know, with conference realignment and and all of the power. Well, not all, but many of the power programs moving, to consolidating. Yeah. And you know, the SEC is adding Texas and Oklahoma, and who knows, you know, where the ACC is going to end up. But certainly, looks like you know, with with Stanford coming in, that could be interesting. Um, it's, it's just going to be a whole different deal. And the conferences are just getting, you know, swollen. Okay. Yeah. So w- with this concept where you're adding more teams to, to the path toward, to the championship, where do you think that's going to take us? I mean, with, you know, SEC gets nine, 10, sometimes 11 teams in, uh, what happens next? I mean, we add those two powers you, you would expect, they're, they're going to continue to yeah. grow that. And they're not, they're not the only one. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, I, I, it makes me more convicted on this idea because I mm-hmm. think it's going to be 
even it's going to get harder and harder to evaluate teams in these power conglomerates versus not in these power conglomerates. I like that 72 gives us a little buffer there. Uh, I like that 32 hosts gives us a buffer there. And and again, like 72 is not bloated. There's in a couple of years, Marcus, we're going to have 305 Division One baseball schools, 305 mm-hmm. Division One baseball programs. If you take 72 and divide that into that number, it's like 22 percent. And if you look mm-hmm. at professional sports, I mean, you know, like they let 40 to 50 percent of their teams into their postseasons. Right. We're still at 22 percent. I don't think it makes it bloated. But I, I, I do think you're you're alluding to something that's going to be interesting in college baseball down the road is how do we evaluate Right now, a 13-win SEC team is, you know, like that's a little bit of a scarlet letter, like you're Mm -hmm. really on the fence. Well, how do we recalibrate ourselves for a 16-team SEC that includes Texas and Oklahoma? They're still going to play 30 games. So now is is 12 wins good enough? Is 11 wins good enough? So I kind of like that 72 teams gives us a little buffer there because it's going to get really dicey putting these fields together. And, that, and that's a great point because it, with the amount of resources that these programs have, um, they're going to be successful in non-conference. Okay? Yes. They're going to be successful in midweek games and they're going to pile up wins and then they're going to beat each other up because you know, there's a winner and a loser every, right. every time they Has play. I've heard. So <laughs> yeah, that's so I've heard. So, yeah. so th- that's, that's going to be interesting to see how you evaluate those compared to teams in other leagues that maybe aren't facing that. And I mean, it's, it's the the age old thing of accomplishment versus who's the better team. Right. It's really dicey. And it's, and it's really dependent on your perspective and where you are and what you value. And and that's going to be a a real, a real challenge, even more so as these leagues float than it is today. And, yeah, maybe you're onto something. Maybe if we add eight more teams, that that gives some teams a chance. I mean, you look at we, we've seen the examples over the years. I mean, Virginia was the last team in and won the whole thing. Ole Miss, you could argue they were the last team in, won Scary. the whole thing. Yeah, but who knows what team was the next team out who yeah. could have done something similar? And right? Marcus, and you never know, got like the every, opportunity. Like if if we did that same field from 2022. Sorry to interrupt you. We did yeah. that same field 2022 ten times. We, we gave that same field to, to 10 different selection committees. Yeah. Ole Miss makes that field five out of 10 times, yeah. right? Like right. The, the, one of the great stories of our lifetime in college baseball was like a coin toss away from not even close. getting out of the right. gate. Yeah. I mean, crazy to think and about. And you think about all the different things down the stretch, all the bubble teams who, who won games that could have lost or lost games that could have won or automatic bids, stolen bids, all of those things that, that could have kept them out that didn't didn't that, that happened to fall their way so they got in i mean alabama was i think pro, who had won a series against ole miss that year was maybe a game away in the sec tournament from taking ole miss's spot crazy and I then mean, ole miss just, but, but it doesn't fall that way and ole miss wins the whole thing wins so, the whole thing in a in, a, in, a, in a, a national title run that we'll never forget oh you know it's, like, it's incredible yeah, Chase, uh, Chase Parham's book I read, uh, Resilient Rebs, incredible. So anyway, hey, let's we're going to get timed out on, on the Zoom, Marcus. But this was awesome. I, yeah. I, anyone that's listening to me, um, I don't care if you like my idea or hate my idea. I just want to <laughs> talk about the idea. That's all I want to do. You could see how when, when I, I talked to Marcus earlier today and, and I knew I was going to sub in for Joe, 
Um, and, and I asked Mark, what are we going to talk about? And he said this, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, pardon my <laughs> French, but oh, heck yeah. Uh, so again, the article was July 19th. And, and speaking of on D1Baseball.com, hey, if, you, if you're looking for an annual subscription to SEC Extra or D1Baseball.com, now is the perfect time as the fall season gets kicked off. Just type in fall 20 at checkout and, um, and you'll get 20% off. If you type in field of 72, if you type in 32 hosts, who knows, just give it a shot, see what happens. <laughs> Maybe you'll get nothing, 0% off. But if you type in fall 20, for sure, you'll get 20% off. I want to say thanks again to our friends at Pitch Logic. Um, Joe will be back next time. I'm certain of it, Marcus. Him and his 80 vocab. I don't see, oh, see yeah. today you got the utility player that's kind of like trustable, but no upside. Right. Joe comes back in next week, you know, with that 80 vocab and, and you know, like, now we're back on track. Yeah, Joe has that vernacular that we're all enviable of. Ah, that's right. You just threw the word vernacular at me. So look at it. A rising tide lifts all boats. It's so good. So thanks for having me, Marcus. Uh, that is it. We will catch everyone next time on the Highway to Hoover podcast. The Highway to Hoover podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.